happen. It doesn't change. It's an eternal word. So we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. In fact, that's your homework today. Second, you know, if our kids have homework, I guess we should have homework too. I won't get to all of uh, 2 Samuel 11 and 12. I do want to reference a few things, but uh, I want you to read to get a whole picture of what's happening in David's life. And remember this, when we read God's word, we're allowing that word to speak to our hearts. And that's the one thing we're going to look at David today. Though David as a young man defeated a giant, David in 2 Samuel 11 was almost defeated by a giant within. He could handle what was on the outside, but what he couldn't handle what was going on on the inside. So Lord, as we start today and look at your word, we are thankful that the Holy Spirit is our teacher, takes this word and speaks to our heart, and even as we've already read that these words change these hearts because these hearts can become hard. And we want them to be soft and of flesh so that the master can speak to us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let me read a, a few verses to set this up. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Acts chapter 13, 22. Now, it says this, and this is the picture that we're going to get about David. And it says, and when he had removed him, that's talking about Saul, Saul being removed, he raised up for them uh, David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, this is God's testimony about David. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. In fact, let's read that last part uh, where he says, I have found the son of David, or found the son David, the son of Jesse. Say it with me. A man after my own heart who will do my will. That was God's picture of David. I have found somebody who's after my heart who will do my will. I want to remember this verse out of 1 Peter 5.8. Peter's going to let us know this. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be vigilant. We're going to see in David's life, David wasn't being sober. He wasn't being uh, vigilant. The enemy was going to get a foothold in his life, and he didn't catch it in time. It's interesting when we looked at David, David showed a great integrity when he dealt with Saul, even after Saul was trying to take his life. David cut Saul's robe in the cave and then he repents of it, that he shouldn't have touched God's anointed. But we'll see here in a little bit how everything must have changed for David. We referenced this uh, several times looking in this series In Deuteronomy, in fact, Moses is the one that wrote uh, the first five books of the Bible. But in Deuteronomy, before there was ever a king of Israel, it was written that the king who would be appointed was to take the law and they were to write out a copy of the law for themselves. They were to read the law every day for the remainder of their life. 
right? Every day for the rest of their life. And in doing that, it would prolong their kingdom. It would prolong the, the kingdom with their children. As we know, and we see today, any political party, any politician, they'll say whatever they, they want to say just to get in office, and the minute they're in office, they plan on staying in office. They don't want to give up that position. Well, when a king hears, I'll prolong my kingdom if I do this, that was the command. Take God's word. Read it every day. Have it with you every day. Read it over and over every day. Shouldn't that be our charge as well? In fact, look at your neighbor, say their name real quick, and if you don't know them, introduce yourself. <laughs> your charge is to read God's Word, right? Every single day, out of a relationship, right? Out of a relationship with the Lord. So in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, I just want to read this one verse, at a, uh, and then again, your homework is reading 11 and 12. I'll paraphrase it real quick. But I want to read this one verse, and it says this. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Ribah. But David remained at Jerusalem. David should have been with the rest of the kings, right? It's battle time. But he sends somebody with their servants and all of Israel in his place. He didn't go out to do what he needed to do. I had sent you a, a, an email this week. You know, when Michelle and I used to direct camps, we did youth camps. And we would do fall retreats, we would do spring retreats, but then we had the big summer camps. And I remember I used to go to camps and they would read the rules to these teenagers, like 37 rules. Let me tell you, you don't remember one of them and these kids don't remember one of them. So I remember breaking all of those rules and guidelines down to five, but the very first one was be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. If it's devotion time, show up, right? That gets you out of trouble. If it's time to eat, show up. Oh, I don't like the food. Show up anyways. Put mustard or something on it. It'll change the, you know, change the flavor of it. Be at services. When it's time to go to bed, go to bed. When it's time to go to activities, in fact, you'll stay out of trouble if you just do those one things. Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And I was so glad during three years of all of these camps and kids, there was only one kid that I had to send home from camp. That was because they climbed a 90-foot pine tree at the top. I figured if I don't send them home, uh, I'm going to get in big trouble. Be where you're supposed to be. You know, nobody likes discipline, do they? Nobody likes discipline. Let me tell you, it's different nowadays. I don't know if any of you grew up. I grew up single mom, three boys, and discipline was different. Discipline was anything that she could grab to get us. If it was a Hot Wheels track, if it was a spoon, if it was whatever she could, if the Irish Spring soap didn't work, it was liquid Lysol in your mouth. Anything that she could find to keep us in line. My kids still shudder when I tell them that I used to go to bed, get in trouble, go to my room and go to bed without dinner. Mom did that? Isn't that child abuse? 
You mean she brought you food later? No, you didn't eat. Anybody ever go through that? And I remember, uh, I still remember getting sent to my room, no dinner, I couldn't watch the Brady Bunch, and I couldn't watch Emergency. And I was so upset, and I was planning on running away. I figured, this is life, right? Life is over. Nobody likes discipline. But discipline, instruction, is what directs our life, right? It might not feel good at the moment, but it gives us direction. Well, when we read a little bit about David, it sure seems that David decided on his own to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Most Bible scholars will say David's about 60 years old. Let me tell you, and he has lived an active life. Boy, here's a young man that worshiped God, a young man that killed a lion and a bear, a young man that took down a giant named Goliath anointed to be king, worship before the Lord, wrote worship songs, worship before Saul, saw a, a depressing evil spirit lead because of his worship, was on the run for 14 or 15 years in the wilderness, trusted God all along, built up his mighty men. He's had so much going on. He, he was anointed king and then proclaimed king in 2 Samuel 5 over the north and the south. He's done it all but he's not where he's supposed to be. You know, there's a, an old Jewish tradition that said in the, the nation of Israel, in the middle of the night, if there was a wind, and from the palace they would hear the wind chimes, they knew that David was probably awake and he was reading the scripture, praying and worshiping the Lord. Now, that's a Jewish tradition, that if there was chimes that it was known that David would have been awake and worshiping. Well, in this situation, David's not where he's supposed to be. In fact, I just want to kind of bullet these before we move on. David stays in Jerusalem, and he gets up, and he sees a woman taking a bath. And he doesn't stop there. He sends somebody to find out who she is. And then when he finds out who she is, he knows that it's another man's wife, and he has her sent to him. He sleeps with her. This is the Bible. Just say, so I'm not reading out of some you know, new movie miniseries script. This is the Bible. Uh, she becomes pregnant. He brings her husband back from the war, thinking that he'll go in at night and be with his wife, and he can blame the pregnancy on her. The husband doesn't do that. In fact, he sleeps outside of his house, because how should he go and enjoy his home when his fellow brothers are out sleeping in the fields? David then gets him drunk and sends him to his own house. You know, I'm still reading the Bible, right? It's in the Bible. 2 Samuel 11, right? This is Bible. He gets him drunk, and the guy still doesn't go in the house. Falls asleep on the outside. So David sets in motion the plan for his murder on the battlefield. That in the, the fiercest of battle, at the right time, all of the men are supposed to step back. And Uriah, his name, is going to be struck down. That's exactly what happens. He's set up. He dies. David then moves Bathsheba into his home. And David thinks it's all hidden. It's all covered over. Only a couple people know. Nobody else knows. But you know who knows? God knows. 
fact, the, one of the last verses in there in 2 Samuel 11 says, It displeased the Lord. It displeased the Lord. David lingered when he shouldn't have been out in the battlefield and he gave into temptation. You know, there was a pastor years ago named Roy Hicks Sr. Some of you may have known the name. In fact, he used to tell men this. You get two looks. If a woman comes across, you look at her and then you look away. Don't give into that temptation. David tries to cover up his sin, to hide his sin. He doesn't think anybody sees. He should know that God sees. He should have known that even that God saw what was happening with Saul. And that's why he chose somebody else. And so when David thought it was all over and nobody knew, here's what God does. God sends the prophet Nathan to rattle David's cage and to wake him up. In fact, you can read on that. That's in uh, 1 Samuel chapter um, 12. And Nathan paints this picture of a rich man that has all of these sheep and lambs and the poor man has one and somebody wants one and the rich man takes the man that only has one and it's eaten and it was the man's pet and he loved this one and David's so irritated, so angry, he wants the man killed who had this injustice. And Nathan says to him, you know what, David? You're that man. And he goes right down the list of everything that David did. Wow. You ever been called out for your stuff? Does it feel good? You ever get called into your boss's office and it's not a good meeting? And do you leave feeling good? No. But it gives you things that you can work on. Nathan read his mail, read it down. In fact, I think that's when we read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Though this is written in the New Testament, it's important for us today. And it says this, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who we must give account. You know, on, on our phones, and I know I've told this story before, um, you can track in a family group your family members and know exactly where they are. And, uh, you know, we had done that. And my daughter one time said, I get a text that says, Dad, can you bring me home an iced tea? I was in a drive-through line at the hat. And she clicked on you know, to find me and then wanted to put an order in. And I remember getting home and I said, you know, you're a stalker. <laughs> you're a stalker. When we were going through this whole uh, uh, engagement night and the proposal, uh, my son was the one that knew how to, on your phone, make it look like you're home. <laughs> Because we knew what she would do is she'd click on that and say, why are you at the Cornerstone Church in Anaheim? And then she would have known something because she's a stalker. <laughs> but you know what? To us, that should be freeing. Everything's open, right? Everything's open. They could track you at any time. You know, when I was traveling, when I, when I did the Foursquare National Youth and I was traveling by myself, which I remember getting out of it and thinking I would never allow somebody like that to travel. There's just too much that happens out there. And I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I'm doing a youth pastor's event. 
and I'm checking into the hotel. And sometimes the hotels have doors that are right together. Well, I'm getting ready to go in my room as three flight attendant. Ladies are going into their room. And one of them said something about, like, can we meet you after at the bar? And I remember I got in my room, shut the door, and I immediately called my wife. I didn't do it because I was going to head down to the bar with the three ladies that were the flight attendants. But one is I wanted her to know that I had somebody that was accountable. And then I called and I had my room changed. Not that I was ever planning on doing anything. I just did not want to be in that environment at all. Didn't want to be there. That's what we don't see with David. Had David decided to do what he should have done, that cascading events wouldn't have happened. In fact, we read this in Hebrews 12, 6. It says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he received. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. That's where our hearts have to be like flesh that the Holy Spirit can speak to us even things that are hard to adjust. You know, we found like with my son, uh, grounding him worked the best. And that's not for everybody. But I remember when we were living in North Carolina, and he was, might, might have been three or four. And here, here's what he used to do. You would ground him and you go in his room. And the next thing you know, he comes out and he's peeking around the corner. Dad. Yeah. Can I talk to you? No, you need to go in your room. I just want to talk to you for just a minute. No, there's no minutes. You get in your room. Can I talk to mom then? You know, they, <laughs> they start this whole thing, right? Then you're talking and, you know, you get, no, 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 you go back. So you know what I did? Uh, don't write this down, parenting seal. I took the lock of his room and I turned it inside out so I could lock him in his room. Because he would do that every time. If you ground him and put him in his room, he'd come out. Dad, can I talk to you? No, I mean it. That's just the one minute. I don't want to be here. He'd do that whole bit. And I remember hearing, locking him in his room and hearing a bang. Bang, bang. Well, he had this baseball bat on his wall. And we were in a new house. Here's the He's three or so at the time. He's banging on the door with the bat to get out. He punctured a hole in this new door with the bat, right? Because he was crying, because you locked me in, right? Well, don't get grounded. There's always ways we try to learn with our kids what are the right ways to discipline so that you can teach them. Madison, when she was young in our house, we didn't know this, but she was lighting marshmallows on fire with sticks in our kitchen and dropped a marshmallow on the rug, and it started a fire. About the time that I looked to where the fire was, the fire was three feet high on the rug. And I rushed over to that room. You know, one has pushed her back out of the way and got towels and wet things on because it, she started a fire in the house. Yes, she was laughing after. That's exactly true. She was laughing. She thought it was so funny, right? But dad, you know, it's okay. Well, no, you burnt. Mom's going to be upset. You burnt. Plus, she could have burned the house down. She thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And I shouldn't have done what I'm about to do. I need to repent again. I took her to the computer and I showed her pictures of burn victims. <laughs> we never, ever had a fire in our house. Ever again. And if you email me, you know, that's so, you know, it was like, how, 
She's laughing. She's setting the house on fire. Ah, it's funny. No, the Lord does that to us because he loves us. Had the Lord not loved David, he wouldn't have sent Nathan. When the Lord sends people across our path that have a word that maybe we just don't like to hear, we just go back and say, that's the Lord trying to get our attention. And I want the Lord to do that so that I'm listening. And if he uses, if, if I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit and he uses somebody else, I pray he uses somebody else that my heart doesn't get hard that I'm not listening to anything because that's what we see in David's life. In fact, the real ugliness of David's life could be said in this way. David probably thought, I can have whatever I want, whenever I want, because I'm the king. The wrong actions and the words to say. But the story doesn't end there. The story picks up in Psalm 51. That's where I'd like you to turn to today. I want to focus on David's heart. Remember, he was a man after God's own heart. So what is the Lord going to require? We saw that um, the kingdom was stripped from Saul and given to David. But listen to what David writes, and I want to read about 12 of these verses in Psalm 51. In fact, many of your little headlines will say, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So it says this, Have mercy on me, God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, only you, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make to me known wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and block out my iniquities. Now hear the last couple verses of his prayer of worship to God. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You know, I have my Bible. I just wrote, like Saul. He saw exactly what happened to Saul when the Holy Spirit left him. And that's why he put, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. You know, the more I went through what David prayed and what David mentioned is I find this. David does not say anything in there or make any excuse. 
How many of you know we're full of excuses sometimes? We have an excuse for this. We have an excuse for that. David is not making any excuse. He's going before God and he's laying it all out. And it's that end. He says, create in me, what? A clean heart. Boy, you go back and you say, he saw somebody, inquired about her, knew that it was a married woman. He brought her to him. She became pregnant. He tried to deceptively get the husband involved, got him drunk, had him killed, moved her in, right? But the Lord knew. So David is saying to all of that, created me a clean heart. He's not saying, God, and let me keep my kingdom. If my heart's clean, God, will you let me have my kingdom? You know, that's not even what he's put on the table. What does he want more than anything? That relationship with the Lord restored. You know, Psalm 51, verse 7, he says, it's kind of interesting language. He says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. In the book of Exodus, this is mentioned two times. The hyssop was used at the Exodus. They took the hyssop, they put it in the blood, and they put it around the doorposts of the homes that the angels of death would pass over. It was also the very thing that was used. The hyssop was used. It was put in blood. It was sprinkled at the altar for the forgiveness of sin. But remember, in the Old Testament, forgiveness of sin wasn't completely forgiven. It was covered over by the blood of an animal in a sacrifice that became a sweet-smelling flavor to the Lord. But it was covered over. But David says this, he says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. The whiter than snow happens to us as people that can confess our sins Because Jesus paid the price and shed his blood for our sins. In fact, one of the things when we read this about Jesus, what becomes so powerful is that we can go to him when we blow it. And we can confess to him our sin. Do you know Jesus was around women and was never confused of anything with temptation? Do you know Jesus was able, and I don't know how he did this, He was able to get angry. And the Bible says he didn't sin. That's hard to do, isn't it? Oh, I'm so angry, but I didn't sin. I didn't say what I should have said. No, because usually you get so angry that you say something that you have to go back and repair. Oh, but you know what Jesus did in, in his wilderness time? Under the pressure of temptation, he said three words. Every single time that got him out of the temptation, it is written. That became the power in his life. What David probably should have been doing, we don't know if he wasn't doing it anymore. He was to read these things over and over again. He was to to find out that if something happened like that, he should have known what to do. Yet the further you get away from the Lord, you get away from the Lord. That heart becomes hard, harder. It's not pliable. The Holy Spirit can be speaking, but you got it tuned out. You're not listening. What Jesus was wanting to know is, 
The, the written word becomes, like we read it in the scripture, it becomes a washing of the water in Ephesians by the word of God. Or it actually does its part of like scrubbing us. I love, I heard a pastor use this one time. He says, I have to make sure that every single day I'm scrubbing my heart. Scrubbing my heart. We have so many things that are bombarding us these days that we have to go before the Lord to scrub this heart. You ever have some in your household leave a pot that they didn't scrub because they had burnt food on it and they leave it for you? And you got in to get in there and you got it. Nobody has that happen. And they leave it specifically for you. Oh, yeah, Dad, we knew you'd clean it. You got to scrub that thing. You would never put it away dirty, would you? You know what? If I put it away and we wait two weeks, it'll come off easier. No, it'll grow, right? It'll multiply. You get in there and you scrub it. Our hearts are the same way. Our hearts have to be scrubbed. You know, we look at David and we think, he's crazy. Look at the progression of what he did. But it's that bit of slipping away, slipping away. In fact, Apostle Paul just says this in Galatians 5.16. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill what? The lust of the flesh. Part of that walking in the spirit is walking in God's word. Because God's word will speak to your heart. It'll tell you to get out. Call your wife. It'll tell you to move on. Don't go on that freeway again. It'll say those things to you. It'll also tell you to do this sometime. Confess your sins one to another. You ever read that in the book of James? I'm not telling anybody. Right? I'm not. They'll look at me different. No, there, there's a brother or a sister out there that you can confide in. Because what we think we can do sometimes is that we can overcome it. Just oh, I can overcome it on my own strength. No, you need somebody that you can be accountable to as well. Somebody that you can tell. Somebody that's looking in your best interest. It's those that don't ask anybody that try to hide it. We see what hiding does for David. It's a down, it's, in fact, it's a downhill roller coaster all the way down. Because he's trying to, he's going to try to fix it, right? I can fix it, I can fix it. But he needs Nathan to come. And Nathan has the words of the Lord. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Last verse. John says this in 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 through 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive who? Ourselves. I don't deceive you. No, I de we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, this is Jesus, right? He is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Isn't that interesting, those two verses before the middle part? Most of us know 1 John 1, 9. We confess our sins, he is faithful and just. We forget this one, though. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. What about the end? If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. It's part of that scrubbing our heart every day. Coming before the Lord. You know, there's something about opening the Bible 
in reading his words, and all of a sudden you start thinking, oh, Lord, I need your help in this area of my life. I've been going this direction. Pull me back over. Every single one of us needs that. There's not one new temptation out there. There's nothing new. Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. The devil doesn't have new tricks he's trying. It's the very same thing, but it's God's word that allows for that daily heart scrub. Bow your heads if you would with me today. Isn't it interesting when we see in the news when, uh, it's usually an FBI, when they raid somebody's home, they take usually one or two things. It's the computer and it's files. It's the things that are hidden. People try to hide things. But they find it, right? They, it's like, people, it's like people do the same thing. We do that sometimes, too. We, we push things down and hide things away. You know, let's go before the Lord today. You know, we see David's life. It's easy to look and say, oh, boy, I can't believe I'm reading this in the Bible. But what we have to do is shore up our own lives. That we come before him every single day. So let us pray this together. Lord, we, we come today mindful that there is forgiveness in the cleansing of our sin by confessing it to you. That's where we read the verse that will be whiter than snow. That's where we read the verse, you cast our sin as far as from the east as from the west, never to remember it anymore. We don't want to say we haven't sinned and be a liar. We want to confess it. But Father, our prayer today is that we hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Our hunger is scrubbing this heart. You know, our, our world system is icky. Has sticky things out there. But when we come to you, we shed those things off. We stand tall. We want to be at the place where you want us to be. And Lord, I thank you when we read these words, it hits every single one of us to come before you and to say, Father, speak to my heart by your Holy Spirit today. If I've walled anything off, I break those things down. I want my heart to be pliable. I want to hear your voice. So Lord, we pray those things today. We thank you. That's what you desire in, in your heart is that we come to you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Stand with me if you would. We'll close.